if everyone can make their way back to their seats, we're going to continue. So you can grab your seat. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to the book of Acts, chapter 11. Once again, great to have you here. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, my name is Joe Crummy, one of the leaders here. And uh, I've been away for the last couple of weeks, so if you're new here, I might not have met you. And just to say to our church family, thanks again for uh, blessing Angela and I and the kids to be away for a couple of weeks, which was very good, and, uh, but it's great to return home as well. And uh, it's going to be tough trying to get back into uh, speaking here this morning because the bar has been raised like really high these last few weeks. So we want to thank Adam Langell and uh, Gord and Joel for uh, doing so well these last few weeks. So well... Well done. And Ollie's going to help us out in a couple weeks' time. And so, no pressure, eh, Ollie? So we'll be cheering you on. We, our first point, I'm jumping ahead, is a grace-filled church. It's great to have a grace-filled church where we get to be a family. We get to try out whether we're on worship team or leading a life group or speaking or whatever it might be. And a grace-filled uh, family is a wonderful thing. So, again, thanks, everybody. And uh, it's good to be back. And this morning, we're going to pick things up from Acts chapter 11. And just as by way of review, if you remember sort of 8, 9, 10, and into 11, as we read about the early church and after Jesus ascended and his disciples go and continue to spread the good news of Jesus, how people, the Lord adds to the church. And we picked it up in chapter 8 where the first persecution uh, begins. We read about a guy named Saul persecuting the church and how Stephen was the first Christian martyr and how it scattered the Christians from Jerusalem. They began to go everywhere. And then we, we pick it up in chapter 9, how Saul gets, uh, meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. His life gets transformed. Now he becomes a follower of Jesus. We saw over the last couple of weeks in Acts chapter 10, how Peter has this vision from God that the gospel, the good news for Jesus, isn't just for the Jews. It's also for the Gentiles. And he goes to see Cornelius. And that's what Joel then talked about the last couple of weeks with Gord, about how they received the good news and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus, how they received the Holy Spirit, just as the Jewish, uh, had, the Jewish guys did in Acts chapter 2. Peter is like, who am I to say that you know, this isn't real? They've received the Holy Spirit just like we did. So it must have been, if you remember what Acts 2 was like, that was pretty phenomenal. It must have been incredible. Peter didn't even get done preaching. And the Holy Spirit came. And we see, again, chapter 2, 8, 9, 10, how... We receive Christ as our Lord and Savior and how we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And at the end of the day, the question, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? We don't have time to get into that. It's just a good one to ask. As you can see, it happened lots of different ways. And here we are in chapter 11, and we're going to pick up the story. And in the book of Acts, we see Luke, who wrote, uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, how he moves things along from Jerusalem, sort of being the center, uh, home base of things, now to a city that we're going to find out in a church in Antioch. And Antioch, just a bit of background, was a big city. For back then, it was about 10 times the population of uh, Jerusalem. It was the third biggest city in the Roman Empire. And uh, very cosmopolitan. There were Jews there, Greeks, Romans, uh, ones from Asia. Like very, uh, you know, a hub of all kinds of different cultures coming together. Population about 500,000. So for back then, that's a big, a big city. And, so, and it's not Jewish. It's a Greek city, um, so it's quite an interesting shift. If you remember what Jesus said to the disciples, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. We've already seen all three of those now to the ends of the earth. Okay, So they're following what Jesus said would happen, and that's where we pick up the story today. So we'll continue, and there we go, and let's pick it up the end of uh, the book of Acts, and we read this. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. So the Hellenists were Greek-speaking Gentiles in this context. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord, And the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad 
And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus. So all those who are pregnant, you might have a new name that you can, hasn't been used yet in our church. That's very biblical. So I'm just putting that one out there. Okay, that was a freebie. Named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. And this took place in the days of Claudius. So Luke, a good historian, always fits it in to the historical thing. And so the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So let's just pray. Father, we just pray today that uh, by the help of your Holy Spirit, that you would teach us from your word, that God, you would speak to us. God, is your word living and active. God, that divides joint and marrow, that you would come and speak to us and change us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So Antioch, we're going to see. And we're going to pick it up in chapter 13 as well, because Antioch's mentioned over the next couple of chapters. We're going to see is a really important church. It's really used as home-based, in a sense, to reach the rest of the world. And we believe Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, was from Antioch. So it's interesting that he puts it in as well. He might have a hometown sort of favorite feel to it. But it's one of those churches that we can really learn from, and it's a great model for us even 2,000 years later. And so what we're going to do, and we'll probably come back and speak on this in a couple weeks' time as well, more about the church in Antioch and uh, Barnabas. But today we just want to focus on a few things, how it's a model church for us to replicate and to model. So this is, in a sense, for us personally, but for our church here as well. What are some key things that we can learn from this church in Antioch? And the first thing we want to take a look at is this, is that Antioch was a model in grace. And we read this, and it says they sent Barnabas to Antioch, and when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. And the first thing we see, what do we mean by a model in grace? This is the foundational one, as we just read. They preached Jesus. It says they preached Jesus. Even though they were a scattered lot, can you imagine how if you were here, persecution broke out, you had to scatter, and you went, you know, Bathurst, Quebec, PEI, all over the place, it would be very tempting, I would think, just to lay low and settle in and blend in and not tell anybody where you just came from. Oh, I just moved in the neighborhood. Yep, everything's good. Okay, Everywhere they went, they preached Jesus. And Jesus is the foundation of the grace of God, the message of the grace of God. And if there's ever a moment in history where the grace of God needs to be taught and modeled, it's now in our day in our culture, that we want to be a model in the grace of God. They preached Jesus everywhere they went. They weren't afraid of being persecuted. They preached Jesus. This good news so overwhelmed them, they couldn't be quiet. And when Chris McLean was here with us back in February, one of the things he taught us, he's like, if you are filled with joy, and you're filled with appreciation, and you're filled with the knowledge of what Jesus has done for you, when you are filled and you're thrilled with what God's done in you, you can't help but be spilled out into our community, into our neighborhoods, to the nations. Okay? And this is one of the key things. Okay? When Barnabas came, he was so glad that he saw evidence of the grace of God, that they had preached Jesus. He came looking, is the foundation Jesus? That's always a question in any church you go to that be a part of. Is the foundation on the grace of God And how do we define that? The foundation of the grace of God is always found in Jesus Christ. We read in the book of John, it says Jesus was full of grace and truth. So let me just unpackage this a little bit. It's so key that we always go over it. And most of it you've heard already this morning in our worship time, in our songs, and the prayers that people prayed out. The grace of God is there in Jesus. He's full of grace and truth. The grace of God was there for salvation. And Aaron already sort of unpackaged it for me already. So thanks, Aaron. That was very helpful. The first one, the grace of God is there for salvation. As we sang out in that song, Jesus, you are worthy. Foundational 
that we, as men and women, okay, were formed in the image of God. Absolutely, read it in Genesis 1. It was really good. Okay? But sin entered the world. And from that point on, okay, when sin entered the world, it was like a cancer entered into the human race. Okay? From that point on, even though we're made in God's image and there's good in that, it's marred, it's blighted. And from that point on, we're in need of a Savior. We're separated from God. The Bible says, okay, our wages, we earn, we work at a job, we earn money. Well, the wages of our life is this. It's sin. It's death. Okay? The wages lead to death. Spiritual death, we're separated from God. Physical death, we face that every day. And we need a Savior. We're in desperate need of a Savior. And Jesus was provided. That's the grace of God. Okay? We have a little phrase that we use. Okay? The grace of God is when we get what we don't deserve. We're saying it here this morning. We didn't deserve Jesus, who eternally with his Father, okay, perfect relationship in the glory of his Father, okay, sent to earth into enemy territory because okay, God's holy. He's a holy God. Okay, set apart, okay, desiring relationship with us, but sin separates. Sin kills. Sin destroys. So we've got a problem. God doesn't have a problem. We've got a problem. And the grace of God is this. He sent a savior. He sent a rescuer. Whatever term, phrase we try to explain it in, that's the grace of God. Okay? We deserve death. Okay? We want justice. We deserve death. Okay? Because we've fallen short of God's glory. But he sent a savior. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ. Lived a perfect life. Only one who was perfect. And on the cross... He took his righteousness, his right standing with God, and he gave it to us. And he took on our wrong standing with God. He took on our unrighteousness. He took on our sin. He took on our debt, and he paid it with his life. And as Adam prayed out, alone, despised, rejected. We need to understand. We need to, as Christians, we need to understand and recognize. Okay, May it never grow old what Jesus has done for us, that the grace of God for salvation, he gave his life as a gift. The righteous for the unrighteous. Unholy for the holy for the unholy. That's the grace of God. That's what they preach. That's why it's good news. Is We can't do it. We can't earn our salvation. It's a gift from God through faith in Jesus Christ. That is foundational. Folks, that sets the tone for everything else. It sets the tone for our security in God. Do I have to fear dying anymore? No, I might fear the transition a bit, okay? We don't have to be locked in to fear of dying, okay? We don't have to die like the world does in fear of dying. We can have our security set that Jesus has paid the price. I've been given the Holy Spirit. He's a down payment guaranteeing what is yet to come, okay? That sets the tone for how we deal with suffering, doesn't it? So Paul can say, You know what? These present day sufferings are nothing compared to the glory that's coming in heaven. And Adam did a great job a couple weeks ago just, again, describing how great heaven's going to be. We've got a great hope inside. It sets the foundation for everyday life. Folks, we've missed it. Okay, hear me. We've missed it. If the grace of God for salvation and us becoming Christians and saved, if that doesn't affect our everyday life, we've missed something. Because the grace of God is this. It's not just for salvation. The grace of God is for every single day of your life. If you're having a hard time with your kids, you need to understand and receive the grace of God so you can understand your kids. I was just two weeks on vacation, okay? I'm really, that's a real life example, okay? God, I need your grace today. I'm with seven kids under the age of eight, and I don't have earplugs. Please help me. I'm serious, okay? If you don't understand that the grace of God, the grace of God, okay, it's in Jesus. It's a gift. Okay, it's for salvation. That's one aspect of the grace of God. But the Bible also teaches this, that we get to reign in life through Jesus Christ when we receive his his gift of grace every single day for every moment. Now, it's connected to the Holy Spirit. But the grace of God isn't just something that happened 2,000 years ago that we put faith in Jesus. That's it. But it's for everyday life. That's the grace of God. It's active. It's a power within you. It's active 
for you to make good choices. That's why Paul can say, the grace of God teaches me to say no to ungodliness. So we're not just saved, and Aaron read it out, or shared it. We're not just saved from the penalty of sin, the debt of sin. Absolutely we are, which is amazing, and that would have been amazing enough. But we're also saved to now live a life that pleases God. Before, we couldn't do it. And Paul goes through in Romans 7 what it's like to try to live a life for God. When you know the Ten Commandments, you know all the rules, but you've got no internal power source to help you live them. Things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. What a wretched man that I am, Paul says. A perfect legalist. We're wretched if we think we can live life trying to please God without understanding God's grace is there for us today. Okay? We have to understand that. That's foundational. Folks, everything I'm going to say, model church, if you don't understand the grace of God, if you don't experience the grace of God, you can't experience everyday grace unless you've experienced salvation grace. You realize it's a gift from God. Okay, I'm a sinner before God. I fall short of God's glory. But hallelujah, in his great love, in his great mercy, he's provided a way through Jesus Christ. And I can receive that, a free gift. I, don't, I can't earn it. I just receive it. I believe it and I receive it. And it transforms our life. And then it gets even better than that. He doesn't leave you as an orphan. He adopts you into his family. And by his grace, he gives you his Holy Spirit. And he empowers us to live a life that pleases God. Okay? That is a transformation every single day. We need God's power. We need his empowering grace. Okay? Every day. Just to get along with each other. I'm serious. Husbands and wives. You need God's empowering grace. Jesus, remind me. Okay? As a husband, I'm here as a servant. I'm here to love my wife. I'm here to care for her. Put her needs above my needs. Boy, do I ever need grace for that. Because we battle selfishness all the time. We battle the flesh. I need the grace of God to remember, okay, as a parent, I need to be this way, okay? I can't exasperate my children. I got to love, care, I got to have patience. I want to kill these kids. I'm serious, folks. I'm on vacation. This is me walking around, okay? The fruit of the Spirit is this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, okay? You got to do it. I'm on vacation. You think, oh, vacation, life's good. Oh, I can relax. The fruit of the Spirit is this. Okay. Holy Spirit, your fruit, I need it, okay? Yeah. Okay, but what I'm doing, I'm speaking out truth, right? I'm getting my mind off, okay? <laughs> Being honest with you, I'm telling you, it's crazy, eh? Okay, but the fruit of the Spirit, I'm serious. I'm walking around like this, under my breath, because I'm renewing my mind. Okay, I'm accessing the power of God through his word. The fruit of the spirit is this, love. Guess what? I begin to change. My circumstances don't change, but I, I begin to change. Folks, that's the act of grace of God. Okay, it might sound silly, but when you're in it, okay, this is real life, folks. It's love. I've got a different perspective. Love, joy, peace, patience. Patience, patience, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Okay? Gentleness is in there somewhere. And self-control. Folks, it's the grace of God. Okay? It's foundational. That might be our only, mess, only point we get through right this morning. They preach Jesus. But folks, Jesus has to enter into your everyday life. If it doesn't, I'm glad we preach that you're saved. And But if that's it, okay? That's, that's key. That's foundational. Okay. But we're missing it. Jesus should affect our everyday life. Should affect our marriages. Should affect our parenting, okay? Those are my two biggest examples from my life right now. Should affect our attitude. Should affect our value system. Okay. Should affect how we spend our money. Should affect what gets us depressed and what maybe makes us hopeful. Okay. Folks, it's real life. If you want to be different from the world, okay, it's not going to be found in magazines and Oprah's top ten tips, okay? It's this. It's the grace of God. Every day, foundational. I can access the grace of God. God, we use that word, amazing grace, and it gets so 
We don't even know what it means anymore. Okay? It's God's active power in you as a son and daughter of Jesus for you to live a life that pleases God despite your circumstances. That's foundational. So salvation is foundational. Okay, we can't give you good tips on how to live a better life. Okay? Ah. Okay? You're not going to find it here. Jesus came full of grace and he came full of truth to say, he wasn't politically correct and said, hey, if you do these 10 things, it will make your life better. Okay? We're not about making your life better. Jesus came full of truth to say, no one comes to the Father except through me. Full of grace. Anyone can come to the Father. That's the good news. It's not exclusive. Anyone can come. Jew, Gentile, Greek, Roman, whatever. Anyone can come. Man, woman, young, old, rich, poor. Hallelujah. That's the grace of God. The truth is, it's through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus came to say to the Pharisees, the religious people, okay, you think you've got it all, you're missing out on it. He came full of truth, and they hated him for it. Jesus came grace and truth. Grace and truth today in our world is this. can't earn salvation. It's a gift from God. And God fills you with his Holy Spirit. And it's, folks, it's supernatural, okay? We explain it from the Bible, but there's a supernatural component to it that you'll never understand. You've got to receive. You've got to have faith like a child. Say, I don't fully understand it, but I believe it. And I receive it. And then God's empowering presence in you by his Holy Spirit enables you to live a life that pleases God. It enables you to say no to cursing, okay? And yes to blessing. It teaches you to turn from being skeptical and critical to being an encourager. It goes from being fear of man to a healthy fear of God. It goes from being maybe unforgiving and bitter to being one who can extend forgiveness. Folks, that's, that's got to be a mark of the grace of God. And I wonder if Barnabas came to our church today, would he find evidence of the grace of God, both in salvation, what's our theology, what are we teaching, but hopefully in our practice, what are our attitudes, what are our actions and our behavior like? We're able to see some evidence. Okay? One way they exhibited evidence in everyday life, first of all, they received Barnabas. I'll tell you, I, I get a little bit uh, control freak, Okay. Because if I was the guys going who are scattered, my attitude could be like this. Man, I'm running for dear life following Jesus. I preach the gospel. Luke doesn't even mention me in his report, okay? I'm unnamed. And what does Jerusalem do? Oh, big city Jerusalem, big church Jerusalem. They send somebody that we don't even know to come and check on us. We've got a spy coming to see us. That could be our attitude. That could have been their attitude. We have evidence of the grace of God, first of all, that they received Barnabas. That they weren't so closed in to say, hey, mind your own business, we're okay, we're independent, who are you? Okay, big brother's watching. Okay. You see how foundational grace is? When you're secure in Christ Jesus, and you're secure that you're a child of God, things like that don't rock your world. Barnabas, come. Barnabas, great. Glad you're able to come. Come and help us. It's a whole different attitude, isn't it? They exhibited the grace of God just by even receiving Barnabas. Hey, don't overlook that point. Because it would be pretty easy to say, hey, mind your own business. We've got it covered. Just go back to Jerusalem. That's the grace of God. They were welcoming. And they received him. Here's the bigger one. They received Saul. Now, how, how ironic is this? The guys who are scattered to go to Antioch, why were they scattered? because of a guy named Saul. And can you imagine sometime later, you've been out of your house and home, you've had to leave family, you had to flee, okay, you had to make up a new life, and all of a sudden the guy who was persecuting you, Barnabas goes and gets him and says, come with me. And for a whole year, you've got to sit under his teaching. How's your attitude on that one? What's well, the grace of God. 
It's only the grace of God where you can say, Saul, you killed my friends, but because I'm forgiven, I was an enemy of God, but God forgave me in Christ Jesus, I can forgive you. And not only can I forgive you, it's easy to forgive if Saul moved on to some other city, but I have to actually live with Saul. Actually, he becomes one of my teachers. He becomes one of my leaders. Folks, you can only do that by the grace of God. Only as your heart is healed and transformed. And Jesus said it to disciples, freely you have received, now you can freely give. And folks, evidence of the grace of God is when we've understood and we've received and it's transformed us, it's when we can forgive other people. It's when we can get along with other people. It's when we can absorb other people into our life that maybe are different from us or have hurt us in the past. When we can forgive, when we can get along, when we can even work together, that's evidence of the grace of God. Hallelujah. So you see how salvation affects everyday life. That's evidence of the grace of God. That's why Antioch's a model church for the grace of God. So folks in our church, people are going to hurt you, okay? We're Christians, and we're trying to make good decisions, okay? But we mess up. We're going to hurt each other. We're going to do something. We're going to say something. Or we're not going to do something that we should have done. And we have some responsibility to say, and we speak truth, so sometimes we've got to confront people. So don't get me wrong. There's a process for all that. But at the end of the day, we've got to be a forgiving people that we have to know we're forgiven. And sometimes, you know what? We're forgiving ourselves the hardest one. But then we can freely we've received, freely we can give. Folks, this is so foundational. Okay, for our church, if we're looking at church planning, all that, this has to be at the core. Jesus is the center. Jesus is the foundational stone. He's the cornerstone. This has to be foundational. That there's grace of God for salvation. We can't earn our way to heaven. Okay? We can't do any of those things. We need a savior. Okay? We're not just bumping along and there's no afterlife and whatever we just eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow I die. Okay, Jesus said, read, it, read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Very clear. There's a heaven. There's a hell. Okay? Sheep, goats, all those things. He spoke the truth. There's grace for salvation, a free gift through Jesus Christ. Folks, there's grace for everyday life. In our families, in our workplace, in our schools, that is different from how the world operates. And it's a heart issue. And it's foundational. And if we can be transformed as we receive the love of God, the forgiveness of Jesus, if we receive God's empowering presence, as we freely receive, then we can freely give. And I hope and I pray that people see the evidence of God's grace in our church life, in our life groups, in everyday life, that people see the evidence of the grace of God. Barnabas was able to come and he saw the grace of God. I hope people see the grace, evidence of the grace of God in our lives, in our church family. Okay? That's foundational. Point number one, got 25 minutes of our 35 minutes, okay? Because <laughs> everything we're going to talk about, that's number one. Jesus, foundational. He's the center. He's the source. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. He's our leader. He's our great high priest. Okay? He was our propitiation. He paid the price for our sins. The wrath of God was satisfied in Jesus. He's our expiation. He cleanses us. He takes away guilt and shame. All those things so that we can be free. We can be free from all the things of sin that we can now be adopted into God's family. And because we're loved, because we're secure in God's love, we're forgiven, we don't have to be under condemnation anymore, that we can love other people. We can forgive other people. We know how much we've been saved and forgiven. We can extend grace to those around us in our marriages, in our families, in our workplace evidence of the grace of god folks that is so countercultural, and we need god's spirit to do it we can't do it on our own because everything within us and our flesh does not want to do that it's foundational the grace of god
upon our lives. Okay, Antioch, we'll just quickly go through a couple of these. We'll pick them up um, over the next few weeks. Antioch was a model in leadership. So Barnabas went to Tarsus, looked for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And then now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Antioch's a great example to us because it's not a one-man show. You just think about it. Just this little few verses, like 11 verses, okay, we see team in place. And we might not see the word team in the Bible, but it's the concept is there. We have these, prof- or these guys go as evangelists. We don't even know their names. Okay? They were scattered. They went. They shared Jesus. People got saved. Incredible. Jerusalem sends Barnabas. So we got Barnabas. What does Barnabas do? I mean, can you imagine Barnabas shows up? He was glad, happy, and then like, man, I've got like a young church here. I can be the superstar. Okay? And I can report back to Jerusalem, Barnabas, I'm the man. Look how these guys are prospering under my leadership. What does he do? Takes a huge risk. He goes and gets Saul. He shares leadership. Not only does he share it, he shares it with Saul, who's like pretty sketchy past. Okay? Barnabas. Remember Chris McLean speaking about him months ago. Son of encouragement. Okay? Barnabas goes. Okay? What else happens? They have prophets that come from Jerusalem. Again, we see this whole network of people. We see them giving back gifts to the elders in Jerusalem. All kinds of different things. We see local church. We see translocal. And as we're going to read, we see how amazing how Saul, his time in Antioch, got him ready to go on these journeys that he went on, his trips. So we've got Barnabas. Okay? We've got Saul, who are like apostles. They go. They look for foundations. It is evidence of the grace of God there. They taught them for a whole year, putting in foundational things about Jesus and theology and practice Okay, we're going to see in Acts chapter 13, they get sent out, okay, and they go and church plant, and they oversee churches. We've got prophets. Remember Agabus? That's so cool. What a great name. I really think that somebody should really, Angela's not here to discourage me on that one, but okay. It didn't even make our top 10 list, but that's all right. Hey, prophets come, okay, translocal. Agabus, we'll, we'll read about Agabus later on, I think it's Acts chapter 21 as well, Okay. Prophets that came, translocal, itinerant, helping other churches. Okay, they had evangelists. We've already said how some of them were unnamed. Pastors, teachers. And we see a transition just in that last verse of uh, Acts chapter 11. It says they sent the gift back by Paul and Bernos to the elders in Jerusalem. That's even a change because it was the apostles were the first leaders in the church in Jerusalem. Now as things gone on, they've established elders to oversee that local church. Okay. It's a model worth replicating. Okay? And this is one of the things that sort of makes our, I think, to some degree, our group of churches a little bit different. Okay? Is that we're trying to restore this model. Okay? We're trying to restore. It's not a one-man show. Okay? We worked hard. Okay? There, is, there are leaders. Okay? So one extreme is, in Christianity today, there's no leaders. So the whole emerging church aspect, okay, there's no leaders. That's one extreme. The other extreme is, Okay, it's a one-man show. Okay, we're trying to find middle ground. There are leaders. Okay, God calls. There's a gift of leadership. Okay, he set it up that way. But it's not to be the one-man show, and it's not to no one knows who's leading. It's healthy. Okay, God gives parents to help children to oversee. God gives leaders to help the church be equipped to do the things the church is supposed to do. And folks, we need everybody so we need elders. We have that, okay? We're looking to expand that because the church keeps growing. We need more elders, men of God, who are going to help lead this church spiritually, modeling, and their families in church life, okay? We need translocal ministries, okay? We need more apostles. Dave Devish, if you can get, we'll try to get some here. Great book on just our apostles for today. Can we even use that word? Are they just those who wrote scripture, okay? Going through, what's his title? Fathering Leaders Motivating Mission. Great title. And we need fathers in the faith today. Okay? We need those who are going to lay a good foundation. We need those to go push churches beyond just their local context to plant more churches. All those things. Okay? And we've had that. We've had that with Don. We've had that with Jeremy. Okay? And we're hoping, and this is where we're in those early stages 
of wanting to see these gifts in, that, in our own local church, that we're going to be translocal as well. We've got prophets who are able to hear from God, move things on. Folks, it's great. You know, I believe, and I say humbly, you know, Gary and Barb working together, they're going to be translocal, okay? I mean, again, sometimes we probably don't uh, appreciate Gary enough in our own local context. But man, I've, you see Gary work in other churches, he brings things, unlock things. He brings a dynamic, and him and Barb working together bring incredible things. They're going to be translocal, okay? That's not a mystery. That's, that's happening already. Evangelists, okay? We've had Chris come. Guys, we're trying to figure out, we need more evangelists in our church, okay? I'll be honest with you, okay? We've got signs of apostolic. We've got signs of prophetic. We've got pastors, teachers, okay? We're trying to say we're missing the evangelists. God, who are the evangelists, okay? So we're saying, like, Adam Langell, Gord, you guys, we're seeing our gifts of evangelism there. We need these guys and gals, okay? Both locally and translocally. If we look at going to PEI, Halifax, and that, we need to be able to send, okay, apostles, prophets, evangelists together. And we need pastors and teachers. And we've seen evidence of this in our family of churches as people come Hey, we've had a John Groves at our weekend. You couldn't deny it. That guy's a pastor teacher. Okay, we're like, wow, what great teaching. We felt like, man, first time we all met him, I felt like he's always been here, okay? Those are the gifts working together. That's a model for church life. And we want to see that in our church, to equip the saints to be all that God wants us to be. But folks, we want to be a part of that in replicating that here in Atlantic Canada, across Canada. Okay, and we'll come back to that in a minute. Last thing, okay, time's going. Antioch was a model in grace, a model in leadership, it was also a model in vision. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea, and they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. What do I mean by a model in vision? Well, one thing is, geography didn't stop them. Okay? We have even more modern ways of uh, transportation but folks, geography didn't stop them. They were scattered, so persecution broke out. They went everywhere, but also, as we're going to find out, they were sent as well. And we're going to read, uh, as we go along in Acts chapter 13, when they're praying together, fasting together, it says, Holy Spirit spoke, set apart Barnabas and Saul, and we're going to send them. Okay, geography wasn't an issue. That's a great vision to have. We need to have that sort of captured in our church life as well. Geography doesn't matter. Okay? We're part of things together. Okay? So Adam and Kim, great to have you here. Glad Caleb's doing well. We've been praying for you. So geography's not an issue. Go to PEI, and we want to continue relationship. Okay? Jonathan Ritchie goes to Vietnam. We want to continue relationship. Wherever people go, in Phil and Genev, in Halifax, okay? Geography we don't want that to be a boundary. Okay? What a great vision. That we want to be obedient. When God says go, we want to go. And sometimes God allows circumstances to happen where we get scattered sometimes. We can still be effective for the kingdom of God. Culture didn't stop them. Here they went to Antioch. Different languages, different cultures, different worldviews. It didn't stop them. Okay? I find this one really challenging. Again, I'll be honest with you. Okay? I find it hard okay, to talk to people who come from a different background than me. Just honest. I don't think I'm necessarily prejudiced. I'd say I'm more shy. Okay? It's kind of awkward to talk to people who have a different language than you. Okay? It takes, say, God, okay, a bit out of my comfort zone, but I'm going to be obedient. I don't want culture to stop me from sharing good news of Jesus. And that's here in Fredericton. We're a cultural city. Wherever we go, culture didn't stop them. That's a tough one for us. It is for me. Okay? French, English, that's one we've got to wrestle with. Okay? Different backgrounds all around the world. Different worldviews. We still have to somehow be able to communicate the gospel to people from different cultures, different languages, all those things. What a model and vision to say, we're going to obey Jesus, we're going to receive the Holy Spirit, and we're going to go Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, 
That's why I love singing that first song this morning, He Reigns, okay? Isn't that great? Thinking about people all around the world, Christians all around the world that are obeying Jesus. And geography and culture isn't stopping. Folks, we're caught up on that great vision. Okay? We're praying for PEI, saying, God, help us. Okay? We're praying for Vancouver. We've got Reese and Sarah coming in September as they move to Vancouver to church plant in Vancouver. They're going to be with us for another week in September. Okay? We're praying for Vancouver. Okay? We're asking God about Halifax and how do we do that. Okay? We're asking God, help us. Okay? We've got a few ideas. I think you're pushing us in that direction, but God, we need you to help us know the steps and how we're going to do that. We had a vision that goes beyond ourselves. We're not just establishing a local church here in Fredericton. We're going to build the biggest building. We're going to have the most people in Fredericton, and we'll have arrived. That's not a big vision. Okay? We want to impact Fredericton. Absolutely. Worshippers of Jesus in Fredericton. Absolutely. But it goes beyond just our local church. And this is it. They had a global vision. Agabus prophesied, a famine's coming. What did they do? They listened to the prophetic word. They weighed it, and they responded to it. They gave money. Each one decided, okay, and they gave. As we read in Acts 13, they gave their best, I would say, their best guys to go. Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. They're going to go. If I was in that local church, I'd be like, no. You're taking my money and you're taking our best leaders. I'd be a little bit, "Mm, I don't know about this. But they had a big vision. We're going to give our finances to our brothers in Judea who aren't even of the same culture. We're going to give. We're going to give Saul and Barnabas to go. We're going to bless them. We're going to pray for them. And we're going to see how Saul and Barnabas come back and they report back to the church in Antioch. So you know that church was a sending church. They were blessing them probably financially in prayer, everything. That was their home base. Okay. Folks, that's the vision we want each one of us to have. Okay. If you're staying here in Fredericton, we need you. We need you to give financially to our new things that we're doing. So we're giving money. Reese and Sarah are going to Vancouver. We're helping them financially. Okay. We're, we're sowing into what they're doing. Okay. Some of us are going to be called to go. And folks, we need your blessing. We need your prayers. We need your support. Okay? We need you to accept new leaders as they come up through. Okay? And I've been saying to you, okay, you don't have as much access to me as you used to. Numbers just dictate it. Okay? So that's why we brought April in to help. That's why we're raising up life group leaders and other leaders to take part. Okay? Things change. Right? We have to be okay with that. We have to adapt to the game plan, okay? Okay, I'm going to go see my life group leader because I just can't email Joe and he's going to see me tomorrow, okay? That's a change. That's a mindset. That's a vision change. Why? Okay, because we want to expand what we're doing. Okay, we want what we're doing here. Folks, I was on vacation different places. Man, we need healthy, grace-filled churches with good leadership that have a global vision, okay? Everywhere I went, churches closing, shutting down, depressed, okay, four people. I'm just like, oh, man, bless them, okay? But boy, it gives you new passion to go, we need churches that are grace-filled, a grace message of salvation, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. We need grace-filled churches that are full of the grace of God because we've been forgiven, we can forgive other people. We need churches with good leadership that help equip the body to say, it's not just me. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to teach you and teach you and teach you. And we need you guys right here. Boy, do we ever need you. Because when Joel leaves, we need you guys. Okay? So that's why Lee's drumming now. Because Joel might not be here to drum. Okay? That's vision. That's leadership. That's being part of something great on planet Earth. It really is. We shouldn't be bored as Christians. Okay? We should be motivated. Whether we stay here in Fredericton, folks, the cultures are here. We've got to figure out how to share good news with those who speak a different language, come from a different background. That's exciting. Scares me, okay? I'm not very good at it. But I'm like, God, use me. Okay? God, if you want to send me somewhere, oh, man, 
I'm such a control guy, it would be really hard, okay? Because I'm just like, I just got this neat in order, I just got this in place and everything, you know, and I'll go, okay? You young people, you should have a global vision. It should be exciting, okay? It should be like, God, I'm here. While I'm in Fredericton, I'm going to learn. I want to lead how to lead a life group, okay? If I can help lead 10 people, maybe God will give me something else, okay? I want to help serve the poor, okay? We need you, don't we, Kelly? We need you help serve the poor, okay? We need you to help on the sandwich run. Get your feet wet just coming out on Monday night, okay? We need you moving. Get up early Sunday morning. means you got to get to bed a bit earlier Saturday night. That's a good self-sacrifice, self-control thing right there. I'm going to turn off the TV. I'm going to get a good night's sleep so I can get up. I can help serve the church. I can move things. So everything that happened here this morning that you were blessed with, somebody did that for you. And you don't even know who it was because you weren't here early enough and you won't be here afterwards when they're taking it all down but they're contributing to make this happen to reach the nations. That's motivating. That's encouraging. That's worth giving your life for. Okay? I'm not going to be motivated by money, by success. Okay? I'm not going to be motivated by all these things the world would say you need to be motivated with. My motivation comes to this. Loving Jesus because he first loved me, serving him and saying, God, what do you want to do today? Where do you want to go? How do you want to use me? Okay, I want to hear your voice. I want to share good news. And if you want me to go somewhere else in the world, I'm going to trust you. And if you're staying, you've got to trust God with the people he sends. And you've got to trust God with new people doing things that weren't doing it before. Antioch's a model church. Okay? And just in conclusion, I think I've already said my conclusion. You can read it. <sighs> Forgot I had this slide here. Grace is foundational in our lives for salvation, but for everyday life and for our church. Leadership is important. Folks, I'm telling you, I'll be point blank with you, there's a lot of stuff going on in Christianity today that is down on leaders. That we're all equal in Christ, which we are, okay, for salvation, all that brothers and sisters in Christ, but there's a real trend towards no leadership. I'm saying, time out. Be really, really cautious with that. So I just say, watch what you're reading and listening to, okay? Because we need leadership. God provides leaders. Not overpowering, but to equip, to train, to move on and mature. And we need vision. We need vision here for Fredericton. We need vision for the Atlantic provinces. Okay? We need vision for Vancouver, as Reese and Sarah go there. We need vision for all the nations. And guys, you can't whip it up, but you just, as you're in tune with God, as you are in tune with his Holy Spirit, he gives you a heart. Okay? Turns a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Gives us compassion for people we wouldn't necessarily always be compassionate for. Okay? And guys, he gives us vision to follow him every single day. Middle school, high school, university or college or trades, whatever it might be, in our marriages and training our kids and kids listening to your parents. Okay? In retirement, God gives you a vision to serve him, whatever stage of life. Okay? That's exciting. That is what God has called us to. Whether we're scattered or sent, we can live a life pleasing to God by the grace of God at work in our lives. Hallelujah. All right, let's stand. If you're able. So Jody and you guys want it, um, Jesus, you are worthy? Or I'll, I'll defer to you guys if you guys got one that you'd want to do. Okay. Yeah, no, go for it. That's great. Yeah. Okay. All right. While we're just figuring out songs. We've already kind of did, did this once during worship, really that recommitment to follow Jesus. But I just want to pray for us, okay? For us as a local church. So if you're part of the Meeting Place Church, I just want to pray, okay, for these things to really sink in that we would be a model. That's my desire, that we would be a model, not in a prideful way, but a real humble way, that we'd be a model, okay, in these things. That we'd be a model 
that people would see the evidence of the grace of God, that we'd be a model in leadership, locally, working translocal, working as team, that we'd be a model in vision, okay, all these things. Okay, if you're a guest here this morning, you know what? It's not by accident you're here. So somehow God wanted to speak these things to you today as well, okay? And some of you might be on the fringe. I'm not quite sure, okay? But the invitation's here. God's got you here, okay? Jump in with both feet, okay? Make sure you understand Jesus as your Savior. Begin to understand what it is to have a relationship with Jesus by His Holy Spirit and get a big vision, okay, for life and following Him. Can I lead us in a prayer for that? Okay, for us as a church, even if you're here as a guest, okay, I'm going to pray for you. Okay, we pray that into, for Adam and Kim and PEI, these things. Okay, so let me lead us in a prayer and then we'll get to worship and just really shout out our praise to God. So Father in heaven, once again, everything's from you. So we want to thank you today that we can call you Abba Father because of Jesus Christ, our elder brother, being our Lord and Savior, making us, giving us access to you. We thank you that we are adopted into the family of God, sons and daughters. We thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you change our hearts. We thank you that we're forgiven so that we can forgive others. And God, you know our heart's desire, God, is we want to be a church, Lord, like this one in Antioch, God, that we be a model, humbly, Lord, in grace for salvation in Jesus Christ, but in everyday life. God, we pray that people could see the evidence of the grace of God upon our lives. God, we want to be an example, a model, and leadership. God, as we work together, as we submit to one another in love, God, as you raise up leaders locally and translocally, God, we want, Lord, we need more apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the body of Christ to grow up and mature, to replicate as we plant new churches, to reach more, to make disciples of all nations. And God, we pray for a big vision, God, that will go beyond our local geography and different cultures that maybe we get uh, scared about. God, we want a big vision. God, as you send us, God, we want to be full of faith. God, we want to be obedient. We want to give financially. We want to give of our time and our prayers. And God, I pray here this morning, God, for some maybe who just recognize, God, they don't have this vision. God, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you come and deposit vision to go and make disciples of all nations. God, and we believe that's through establishing local churches. God, I pray that for our young men here this morning. God, I pray you get a hold of their lives. God, for our young women, God, I pray you put couples together strategically, Lord, to serve together. That will love one another, but be a model, Lord, in putting gifts together. God, chemistry together, God, that will serve you well. God, we pray, Lord, for every person, every stage of life. God, that no one's too old, no one's disqualified. God, would you give vision here this morning, God? Lord, we know without your vision, Lord, we perish. So, Lord, we need your vision. God, catch us up, Lord, on really important, heavenly, eternal things. I pray today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, let's respond as well in our worship. And Jody and team are going to lead us one final song. We really get to exclaim our praise to God, and so we'll hand things